0: Ideas are everywhere. Welcome to Lessons Learned in Marketing, the Felix Group Podcast. I'm your host, David Barrie, and even though I'm sounding a little bit under the weather, I have a great show for you today. I welcome Justin and. Ben. Hey, it's good to see you guys. Thank you very much for coming in.
1: Oh, thanks, David. It's amazing. Yeah, we're actually we're actually even more happy to be here than we were last time. So. Yeah, <laughs> before the card failed, it's fine. <laughs> Now that we're all sick, but our voices sound so amazing, David.
0: Yeah, no, we'll be the. Uh, I, I'm I'm doing James Earl Jones. Who are you doing? Anybody but Kermit the Frog. I'm that's who I usually that's am. Domino.
2: Who? <laughs> <That's> domino. <laughs> okay.
0: All right. So, uh, confession. Yeah, we did this whole thing uh, a couple weeks ago, and. Somebody's SD card failed, so I really appreciate you guys coming back and and uh, pretending like you've never been here before.
2: We never say no to an opportunity to hang out with David and the Phoenix crew, so
1: absolutely.
2: Which is <laughs> right, two for two, right? Two, for two. Yeah. two yeah. for two. yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, we invited ourselves the first time, so they didn't say no to us the first time, and he invited us back. So right. you okay. know, we did something right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love what you guys are doing, and uh, I'm. Uh, I'd, I'd like to maybe start by you sharing a little bit about. Who's Justin and
2: Greg, and what's Pigeon Social? Two very convoluted questions. Yeah, uh, this is Greg speaking right now. Uh, my compadre is Justin. I'm Justin. We, Especially
1: when I talk and I get excited, I sound like Kermit. So yeah. just
2: remember that. If you think you're on the episode of the Muppets, that's mm-hmm. that's you're in the right place. Well, you're a Muppet. We do
1: we do content on
2: the internet. That's Justin and Greg. It's just content. It's it's usually fun. It usually has a fun bend to it. Interesting, whatever. And then Pigeon is. Our consulting arm. We were talking with one of our friends yesterday, and he said whenever he goes out two or three times a week, people ask him, how do these guys get make money? They just
1: make <laughs> videos on the internet all the
2: time, and they're not big YouTube stars.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Justin and Greg is really the arm where, I mean, two things. One, we love being characters. We love creating content. We you know, just came back from a couple of interesting things. We were the executive assistants, the CEO of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and that went horribly, as you. I would heard expect. you got and fired. Yeah, we, we got, yeah, fired, we got yeah. fired by the end of the day. And then before that, we were down in Vegas with the NHL team, uh, creating some vlogs and different contents. We do a Facebook live show. We do we do it because we love it, but it also lets us practice what we preach.
2: Yeah, and I think more than anything, we love the 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 phrase "hack attention." We love to solve a problem, which is how do we get this asset in front of those eyeballs? Mm -hmm. And I actually noticed yesterday when we were working, I was like, that is when we get excited. And it's like, let's, how do we do this? Do we change something? Do we, Justin wanted to get in front of one of his favorite YouTubers. So he thought, hmm, how do I do this? He made a customized ad. For that person that said, "Hey, Peter McKinnon, it's me, Justin. Don't change, like, don't
1: skip this ad and put it in front of his eyeballs to try and get his attention," and yeah. it failed. <laughs> yeah, I found it a different way, but in you know, in the context of everybody's creating YouTube ads to at mass attention, I went, "How do I target an ad and get it to a single person on the internet?" And how did you do it? Uh, in the end, I just turned on Twitter notifications so that whenever he tweeted, I knew that he was online and I was ready to go with some content. Actually, it was a little bit serendipitous because this is a guy who in one year of YouTube went from zero subscribers to 1.8 million. He's Canadian, he's blowing up in the world. And I just happened to make a vlog one day wearing one of his t-shirts that Greg bought for me. Um, it was your birthday, happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and I tweeted him, I was like, I made a vlog about, he loves coffee and I made a vlog about making a horrible cup of coffee and uh, it just you know kind of worked out and now we're like, he tweets me back from time to time. He so. actually
2: commented on one of your videos too. Yeah, he was- actually
1: went and watched a video hours later, which is, Getting somebody at that level is, yeah, it's just like the hacking attention. So we're always trying to noodle our way into this new world that's so socially connected. It's a wild how people think, oh, so-and-so will never respond to me or never. It's like, no, actually, you'd be surprised at how many opportunities you get when you just swing for the fences and you have time you get security called on you. That happens to us too. So,
0: <laughs> so what you're doing with um, Justin and Greg really helps inform your consulting when you're talking to companies on pitch and social. And-
2: yeah, it works It works perfect like that. So Justin and Greg, they go do their things on social, they find out what they learn and then they say, hey, guess what clients? This doesn't work or this works or have you tried this? Mm-hmm. And that puts the clients at ease because they don't want to risk their own brands to be just given a uh, Hey, have you ever thought about this? it seems like it works they want to know whether there's risk involved or not and and that kind of takes the takes the heat off them for that yeah
1: and you would maybe know like agencies for a long time have been in the business of pitching ideas and i think ideas ideas are amazing but it's also tougher with the internet because there's a lot of ideas in a lot of different places but ideas mixed with context is something that is very special And actually, I think that's where agencies win is when they're pitching an idea that they have the context of how to actually make it work and have tried something along those lines before. And so I think that's what, you know, I think that's what we're doing is we're just we're providing a whole bunch of context to go, have you guys tried this? Oh, and this idea when you try it, make sure you do this, this, this and this to really help this thing fly. And at the end of the day, too, we go and you may strike up because. It's social media. You have no idea.
2: Yeah, it's not as much science as we like to think it is. And I do want to say, too, we actually love doing Justin and Greg. If we could do just Justin and Greg content, we would. (laughs) And that's why we're very religious in separating the two. So Pigeon, as this conversation would be, can talk about that asset of Justin and Greg. Mm -hmm. But Justin and Greg will never talk about Pigeon because as soon as we cross that barrier of hey, by the way, thanks for watching the show, we have a content, we have a social media consulting company, why don't you come work with us? Uh, it just ruins the trust we're trying to build with that asset of Justin and Gray.
0: And does it give, um, does it give credibility that you've done it before, you've tried it before when you're, when you're bringing stuff forward?
1: I think it provided we can get the relationship provides credibility, but we've had some Big clients who sat down with us and said, "People keep telling us to meet with you guys, but we don't get how you can provide us any value because Justin and Greg are idiots." And we go, "Okay, well, uh, opposite of credibility." Yeah, sometimes it's a little (laughs) bit where they're like, they see this and they don't really get it, but then when you walk through the conversation we just had about this is how we practice what we preach and we're not risking this and this lets us really play in this world know what we're talking about they go oh okay and once we start listing off hey we've got some other clients that are also big players that you know you can be a part of and i think it also provides some credibility when they know like we have a lot to lose because sometimes people are like well you could make a video for us but what if you say something really stupid on live or what if you do this or that you could hurt our brand i'm like hurt your brand yeah we have families to feed. Like, we'd be out. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah and, and as well,
2: like just one more caveat with that, it's social media moves so fast. Mm-hmm. And so you was, you had a keynote today, you spoke, and you said in it, hey, next week, this might not apply.
1: Yeah.
2: And that is always a gap is that if you can't actually be in all the time, how do you know it? Yeah. And so Justin Gregg Greg allows us to, to study and yeah. be in an experiment, and we actually know some answers come the end of the day that work for that moment. Yeah. But next week, they could all change.
1: I think we probably spend... 80 hours a week between the two of us unbillable on social which for two guys is a lot that's two full-time jobs Mm -hmm. and that's That's why we're trying to actually figure out, like, how do we get Justin and Greg to maybe bring in some of its own revenue, which is getting there. So if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But on the other hand, that's the only way that we can actually stay relevant. You know, even today, I was just like on Instagram, like, what's this? Whenever Instagram has a little lit up new icon, I'm like, oh, they're now introduced shopping for brands. So now brands can have a store built on Instagram that is now shareable content. I'm like, this is something I now have to spend some time to play with, you know, between our YouTube channel and our Facebook channel and our other YouTube channel and Twitter and Instagram stories and all these kind of things. We have to be experimenting in there all the time and lots of clients don't want to pay for you just to experiment. So we got to do it.
0: So on this idea of hacking attention, what, what is working right now or what what are you guys finding is successful for, for
2: companies? Uh, what's working is what has always worked, is, which is ask ask what they think about Kiwis. and I was reading about uh, Tim Ferriss and his Tools of Titans book. There was one comedian who was like, how do you get someone's attention? They said, catch them off guard, do something different. Cause they're so used to being asked the same question over and over again. Ask them about what they think about Kiwis because they have to stop And actually think about it and give you the answer and so what we're trying to do is how do we approach this in a different way and so the story was the biggest gold knights was we wanted to interview their twitter guy their their senior writer he was the best in the business still is maybe the best of all time i don't know and we got a hold of them and their vp of, of communication said Well, who are you and what do you do right and so we sit back and go okay well traditionally we would just pack an email full of metrics and try and puff up our chest as much as we can and say trust us but justin's like well why don't we why don't we actually show them what we do
1: yeah so we're like why don't we go in front of the ledge and try and convince the people of our province to adopt them as the official team of saskatchewan we'll make a video and i didn't actually expect the video to really go anywhere i decided at least we'll make a video and like all these guys are kind of funny and they're good on camera and they could be some fun well That video ended up getting, you know, 100,000 views and all these shares from all these people in Vegas and all these comments, and it it picked up some steam, so it was nice for us to be able to go, okay, well, here's what we do. And again, we didn't know that it was going to end up that way, but at the end of the day, what works for businesses is when they wrap their head around the fact that nobody on social cares about you, and they are not on social to be sold to, they're not there to be advertised to, they're not there uh, to consume your content. What they're there is because they want to be entertained, they want to be educated, they, they want to know what's in it for me. And when brands actually tap into the idea of how do we make content that actually makes our followers' lives better for having watched it, aside from, because they always default to, well, if you just bought my product, you'd be better off in your life. No, not that where you're not asking for anything in return, you're just creating value for, you create a lot of leverage. And we find that's typically what works in social.
2: Yeah, if you're experimenting and trying different things, my favorite example from a brand's perspective is actually SeatGeek. SeatGeek gave Casey Neistat a huge YouTuber two tickets to the Super Bowl for him and his friend. That's all they did. It would've cost him, let's say $5,000 US for those tickets, maybe more, maybe less. And he made a whole video off of it, taking his friend, who's a big Patriots fan, we lost. And going to the Super Bowl and documenting yes. the whole thing, and that those two tickets garnered them, I think it was like five to six million views and long, full on views uh, on his channel. And he was very open about this is an ad. I'm doing this because SeatGeek is giving me these <laughs> tickets. But a brand's going, wait a minute, I can buy a billboard, I can buy a commercial, I can like even I can target Facebook ads at this at this audience. But they're saying, wait a minute, how do we get uh, better attention mm-hmm. on on our product?
0: So do we forget? to have fun and take risks is that you know we're all yeah. wrapped up in the mm-hmm. moment
1: i don't know that traditional brand brand guidelines accommodate for social like that's just it's hard because we create these brand guidelines which in many times are so necessary because people abuse brands all the time and the way that they you know use those creative elements but on social i think it's got to be almost a whole different, yeah, approach where there's some people where they're going, I've got limited amount of resources, and they think, how can I put out as much content as possible, given that amount of time? And I think for some of those brands it'd be, you'd be better off not putting out a single piece of content and instead just listening and interacting with people. Because at the end of the day, the thing that social affords you that not many other platforms do is a conversation. You know, radio and TV and billboards, and they you know, paper, those are all great mediums for getting a message out. But there's no point for the customer to actually talk back. And when you realize that and you think, oh, how do I use social to build community with my following and get those relationships happening? That's where you can actually build brand champions with, like, without them ever setting foot in your store because they love you so much. I just bought two wraps for my iPhone case. I don't know if you know this, but there are a billion companies out there who make wraps for your iPhone case. It's this company called Dbrand. And their Twitter account is...
2: What's a, what's an iPhone wraps right? Oh,
1: it's like a sticker you put on the back. Oh, okay. Add some style and maybe a little bit of protection to your iPhone case. I was thinking about hip-hop Raps, man. Oh, yeah. No, not that. And the only reason I bought it is because their Twitter account is wildly irreverent and funny and entertaining, and they tweet people back. They're kind of like... Everybody knows Wendy's Twitter account. They're like the Wendy's, but they did it for cases and I think they have 3.9 million customers now and I loved it because they showcase some personality my big disconnect with Wendy's is I want the experience when I go into Wendy's to be their Twitter account which is sarcastic and cutting and it feels so disconnected from the brand I I love the Twitter account but it's interesting yeah
0: the Twitter Mm -hmm. is better so with the with the uh, just curious on the iPhone case what came first? Were you looking for the case or did nope. you come across I don't the Twitter need it.
1: feed? And- yeah, I was I was literally on Twitter and somebody put up a poll who I was following and said, who's better on Twitter, Wendy's or Dbrand? And I was like, who's Dbrand? And Dbrand was winning by 2%. And I was like, Dbrand, and I followed them and I started watching them. But that's they're hacking attention through that. And I'd say Wendy's is also hacking a lot of attention by taking this new approach. And I was like, I don't need an iPhone case wrap. But then I started looking at them. And they had black camo. I love like matte black camo. And they bought an orange one because I was like, this looks cool. And I don't know. I don't need it, but I bought it. Yeah. Uh, but that is...
2: Orange is not a good color. But. They went
1: rather than... We could post all the time about sale, 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 20% off. Look at this case. Look at this case. Look at this case. Look at this case, which is what a lot of businesses do. And they went... No, that's, people aren't gonna follow us for that because I bought my cases now. Now I don't actually care to follow them because I'm actually, and I could buy more, but I'm not going to. And
2: to that point though, I think that the rules have changed. That used to work in social. Sure. And so what people yeah. don't talk about when it comes to social is, TV has always had three second commercials. Yep. And billboards are still a billboard to this day. And so when people bought into social, it was free advertising for them. You pushed it out, everyone saw it. And then things changed so fast that these businesses, they don't know how to understand the, the, the rules of the game changing every week in and week out because that's one a huge time investment yeah. and obviously a, a big money investment too and so they just they just revert to easiest output possible sure. ad 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 for sure and
0: I think that was the that's what we all want from social was that interaction and that building of community I think it's hard for brands though to let go like that yeah and um, maybe it's the brand standards like you talked about or just how do you give the keys to somebody with that much personality or that that interesting?
1: Yeah, it's a huge risk, right? Like that is, I mean, there's lots of, we could throw in 18 inspirational quotes about you need to risk if you yeah. want to get ahead. There's lots of them out there, but that is, and that's fine. There are brands who go, we're not, we're not willing to take the risk. And because people make a mess on social all the time. They do. And But a lot of it is, you know what, a sincere apology goes a long ways, Mm -hmm. you know, and can in sometimes like they have the research to say, if you are brand or company and you screw something up and you make it right, you get more brand loyalty than if you never would have messed up at all. And I think a lot of times people see the, the big stories of these big brands making these big mistakes and they think we can't do that. But there is a there is a massive amount of attention opportunity to be had on social.
2: And sometimes, too, like there's organizations and businesses that were we tell them don't like don't invest your time in trying to care get people to care about your wireless router like you're not gonna build a community about that very easily you're better off just meeting and advertising those people because your time's better spent elsewhere it's gonna cost you so much time and money to do that why like just because someone told you to be on social like no like that's not a good fit for you there
1: yeah when you've got limited resources and you have a a product focus, a lot of times they're amazing advertising platforms when you actually look into social and there's lots of other advertising platforms that's just advertise Because especially now more than ever with the way the algorithms have changed, everybody loves algorithms, but if people don't know this, when you post something as a business pretty much on any social platform, everybody doesn't see it. Only a percentage does. That percentage is based on how often people interact with your content, how many likes, how many comments, how many shares if you consistently post stuff that doesn't get much interaction your posts eventually get shown to almost nobody and you ruin your reach whereas if you create great content that people love and interact with they show it to a lot of people if you don't have the time and resources to invest in creating great content then just don't do that i would say put some time into listening if you want or like get to know ads really really well and if you can figure out that funnel because you get so much data from Facebook and these other guys, you can win big that way, too.
2: I wonder, too, if it's a little bit like the Michael Phelps approach with brands, where they look at someone like the Lululemons who have done it, or the Patagonias, or whoever, and they say, oh, I I could never do that, because it's so much work. But they don't see is that those brands have been experimenting and trying and and kind of noodling their way to be where they are. And they go, oh, it's too much. I, I can never. It's like, no, 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 they and the courage to try something and risk. And what we yeah. don't see over all their successes is their failures in there. Yeah. But it does, it does take some courage to get out there and try it. And I think a lot of brands too, they don't, they don't actually think that they can be that superstar brand. Yeah. And they look at that and go, mm, that could never be us. And it's like, actually it could if you understood yeah. uh, how to get and there. And also,
1: maybe you're not a brand who's hitting a 10 on social, but you know, I share this stat. Currently right now I'm the 641,000th most popular YouTuber, yet, so I'm I'm way down the list, like way, way, way down. People have watched my channel for 2.975 million minutes, being all the way down there, 2.75 yes. million. I was like, that's 132,000 sitcom episodes, episodes of Friends. That's a lot of, a yeah. lot of time that people have consumed where you know you don't have to be the biggest brand in the world and you can create a lot of brand interactions now i've had seven thousand three hundred comments on my youtube channel and i've replied to most all of them so it's time but that's also community interactions of how i built my subscriber base yeah. sometimes i've spent half an hour with a person educating them on something on my youtube channel and they haven't subscribed to me but that's just part of the game of we're we're always trying to control the outcome as brands i think and even with the casey Neistat and the ticket thing They had to give up control and say, we're gonna give two tickets to this guy. We don't know what the video is gonna look like because that's not how it works and we don't know how much he's gonna talk about us, but on the chance that it might work, it's worth the risk. And there's a lot happening in the influencer game right now where brands basically, like we get it, we get sent over a contract saying, hey, show up at this event, take four stories, put a photo on your Instagram, you know, and we'll give you X. And the problem with that is as soon as you talk to those people in real life, they're like, yeah, I just did it because I got paid. And that isn't a true brand experience as opposed to brands really investing in how do we build relationships with people who have influence and woo them over so that Mm. they actually love what we're doing and give up control of the outcome. And I think you'd be better than, you know, getting 10 people to come to your event that you paid them. What if you took 10, threw it out there for free, and you got two who are actually genuine to go, I love this, and there was no strings attached? It
0: probably is uh, uh, an investment that maybe people aren't willing to take in finding the right people to
1: yeah. to connect with their brand.
2: Yeah, and that, and that to me is, if you're not willing to use the right tools or go about the right way, then you're going to, it's short-term versus long-term yeah, yeah. thinking.
1: It's, it, you know, unfortunately, I don't know if I can say this on your podcast, but it's difference between like you're, you're paying for sex and the other one's building a relationship. And social as a whole is, is a lot of this where even people, they're creating great content and they're literally like the guy at the bar who sits down, seems, you know, very interested in the girl, it's great, you know, and then ends off with, hey, do you want to come up to my room? You know, and that's brands where it's like, we've created this great piece of content and then they ask for the sale at the end. As opposed to thinking, how do we build long-term relationship here? It's always like, hey, do you want to go up to my room? Hey, do you want to go up to my room? Hey, do you want to go up to my room? As opposed to, hey, let's have a relationship here that lasts a lifetime.
0: So, what what advice do you guys give
2: companies that are, are not doing so well? Hmm. Well, I mean, it, it can be over all, on the sorry, it can be all over the map depending on who they are and what they're doing. Uh, a lot of times, the best advice we give is stop, like just stop doing what you're doing, and maybe you need to cut down three-year channels into one channel because you don't have the time. Like we usually kind of ask them like, what are your resources? Who's involved? How is it going? And then we take that data and go, okay, should you even be here? What does it look like? You know, what could it look like? If you don't have the time to be successful, then we're not going to lie to you and say, hey, then you should be there. It's like, no, no, no. Like, okay, what, what do we have to work with? What can we, how do we go from there?
1: Yeah, but we're finding the best approach to social right now is swing for the fences. Whereas before, I would say even maybe a year or two years ago, it was like, okay, if your posts are only reaching 10% of your audience, you put out 10 posts, you get 100% of your audience. Well, now the way it seems to work is unless you have a great hit, you're going to reach hardly anybody. So we would say rather than like throw your content calendar in the garbage and instead come and say, what is a piece of content we think that our audience might love? And rather than making 30 posts in a month, do one that is really, really, really well done where you put in okay. the time and the effort and understood because when you have one post that goes really well, the is amazing. I, I have uh, We have a client, they did two of their videos last year. They swung a lot and they swing for the fences and they don't always hit, but they had two videos. One was about getting a vehicle unstuck in the wintertime. The other one was about what it's like to be a pet sitting in a hot vehicle on a day. I just pulled the data. 150,000 minutes people watched on those two videos voluntarily. Like that's not ads. That's not pre-roll. That's not 150,000 minutes in not a wild market. They're not a national brand. They, they cater to a city. 150,000 minutes people watched that content as opposed to, hey, you could do blog posts or an Instagram photo or, you know, and do them consistently all the time. You're still never going to pool that much as when yeah. you swing for the fences. It's funny.
2: I see this happen more and more and more with big brands and actually big sports brands. I don't know if you guys saw it a few days ago, the Milwaukee Brewers, they took their players and they redid uh, one of the famous scenes from the Sandlot. Really? Yeah, and it blew up on social. And it was like, I love seeing brands do this. And all it was, was their players pretending to be the actors from Mm -hmm. the Sandlot redoing the thing, the same lines. And last night I had millions and millions of views all over the internet. And I'm like, yeah, they swung for the fences in their baseball team too. And it worked. And like, that's what's being required more and more and more of brands If You want my eyeballs on your stuff. It's not, it's not enough just to score goals or touchdowns to give me stats. I need more.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you really need to look at things differently rather than, I mean, cause obviously, or maybe I, maybe not, obviously there's going to be failure when you're
1: doing that. Yeah
2: yeah and you can't be scared of that and and honestly if like you said if your intentions are in the right place and you make a mistake and you fail and and sometimes failure can be it sounds bigger than it actually is it's all in your perspective in your Mm -hmm. context but if you're not willing to take the lumps with the growth then like when's the last time you tried to to learn a new skill and you were amazing at the first time it just it's unrealistic it doesn't happen
1: and a lot of brands i think they just social actually gives you the feedback where there's probably other things that you're doing that you're just not getting the feedback, then maybe it's a miss. Working yeah. with
2: brands, the, the biggest the biggest gate to them getting on social is what if I get a bad comment? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What if something says something bad about me? Yeah, well, it's like, a, well, they already are. Yeah,
1: you just don't aren't there to listen and, and hear it. And in some ways, too, like what an amazing opportunity to get some feedback. But even look at a company like Dove. Dove hits on all cylinders 999 times out of 1,000. And they put out one Instagram story of, Somebody basically taking off a white shirt or taking off a brown shirt and they ended up being white underneath, which they were trying to make a different point. It was not well executed and didn't have the outside perspective and it made a mess of things. But also because Dove had invested so much equity in doing the right thing for so long, they were able to survive that, which was a a fairly big miss and on a big platform. Unfortunately, with social, they'll blow that stuff up. But we all know, like, Dove, this is out of character for
2: you. Mm -hmm. And that's
1: what happens when you do the right thing more often than not and your intentions are good. I'll forgive the brand because I'm like, oh, I've seen what you've done in the past. Whereas if you're not regular out there taking care of the people and doing the right thing, then it is easier to miss.
0: I think brands and maybe rightfully so with stories like that are, are, are really afraid of making those big mistakes. How do you learn from a mistake?
1: Uh, you don't. I don't know. Don't do it again.
2: Well, we always say like you just you just try again. Like when we a mistake for us is we'll say like a bad piece of content. Us investing our time, let's mm-hmm. say twenty five hours in a piece of content that no one cares about or people hate. Yeah. Okay, well we listen. It's like why do why do we think that they hated it? Were we bad? Was it was the writing bad? Was the content bad? Was it in the wrong places? Just kind of going through that list, and then we take that data and go okay, let's do it again. Like just do something else.
1: Yeah. And it, it's in a constant experimentation. Even on our live show, when we do our live show, we get the data to see when live viewers come in and when they go out. And we'll see a dip. <laughs> we'll in, and, talking and about like, that. <laughs> yeah. And we just like go back and we're like, what were we talking about? Oh, we got deep into sports or into Facebook algorithms. Everybody's like, I'm out, you know? And you're trying to use the data to learn, but you don't always have the context. Of, there's times where we put out a piece of content, we're like, this is going to be a home run. And people are like, we hate it. And there's other times where we're like, we shouldn't even put this out because it's terrible, and people are like, we love it.
2: Yeah, and the hardest thing to do for brands, and this is this is social versus what they do traditionally, is a lot of brands put a lot of money and mm, and gumption behind a campaign. And that campaign needs to land because you only have one, maybe two a year, yeah. probably one, right? And so when that sense of failure, that's a way bigger failure because there's way more involved yeah. here. But on the social, we're talking the micro scale, right? Where it's like you're executing, you're executing, you're executing, you're executing. Oh, we missed one? Cool. We'll just keep going uh, take that data and, and apply it again. To miss on a big campaign scale is a is a different question yeah. that I'm not sure applies as much to social, yeah. uh, because there's the, usually less dollars involved with it. But
1: we're always like eighty percent and go. Like the idea of taking content and being able to okay, you know, for social you could invest, you know, hundred and fifty thousand dollars in a single video that you need to land on social, or you could probably get 1500 $1, hundred dollar videos and micro target them to lots of different areas and you would find out of that many videos you have some hits. In 2016 I pulled the data on my YouTube channel I did 212 videos. They didn't all land, but a few of them did. You know, but you just don't know. Sometimes it's just like putting it at scale, but the thing is is that getting it something to 80% is probably 20% of the time, whereas that last 20% can be 80% of the time. So it's like just go faster. It doesn't have to be perfectly polished because that looks like an ad on social is just like find a story and if you just put on the lens, how do I actually give more than I take on social? How do I create something that actually has more value to the audience than I get out of this equation? You create a lot of leverage that gives, I would say, the the ecosystem for something to really thrive in there.
2: And one more thing on failure, David, is oftentimes when we think about failure in social and in marketing, it's like these catastrophic, like ignorant thoughts, like with, with gap, trying to advertise, hey, it's raining out there. Well actually it's a hurricane, people are dying and you're trying to get sales off them. It's 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 obviously we just miss it altogether. And the easiest way to get around that is just to have proper feedback and proper outside perspective on what you're doing. Good people, good Mm -hmm. feedback loops, good perspective, and there's a good chance you're gonna be okay. Like Mm -hmm. you'll things will always fall through the crack like like a spelling mistake and it's been proved fourteen hundred times by an army of people. (laughs) But it slips through, right? Yeah. That happens once in a while. But there's a good chance if you hire good people, the catastrophic failures are going to be non, non, non-existent. I think it's the
1: same way too of there are people who are terrified of flying because we hear about planes crashing and the media makes a big deal out of it. But you're safer flying than you are crossing the street. You know, we shouldn't let our kids play outside. We shouldn't, you know, do this or that, you know, because sometimes the the media makes a big deal of things. Um And because that's kind of their job. But you know, I think there's a lot of brands who have an unnecessary amount of fear. And also I think sometimes the people in leadership aren't in it and they don't understand like there's trolls. Like they're literally just trolls who the feedback is not even valid in any sense of the conversation. And every time you post something, there's gonna be people who find a way to take it out of context Mm -hmm. and say, how dare you Mm -hmm. say this because you are demeaning so-and-so or this people group, or you did this or did that. And it's like, no, we weren't. Actually, our intentions were this. And to be okay to move on past that.
2: And we're getting close. We're getting very close to the day where a brand's going to do that and just say, listen, you're just trying to take this off off offline. Like to pound sand, like this has nothing to do with what you're talking about. And you are in the, you are in the strong minority of just trying to get offended about this stuff. And we're going to keep on keeping on because it was Bill Maher just did a thing about it and about how like there's sensationalist headlines everywhere. And there's just people that get offended about everything. And he's like, no, we're not offended. You three Twitter followers are offended and people make a news story out of it. But for the rest of us, it's like, we're just gonna keep on doing our stuff because we don't care.
1: Yeah, I had a keynote. I mentioned the world's most popular YouTuber, PewDiePie. He's got 64 million followers, more followers. He has more subscribers to his channel than US people subscribe to cable or Netflix. I just mentioned that because that's an interesting piece of data. And somebody was offended because he made a video that some people took as having Nazi tendencies. And they were offended that I would mention a neo-Nazi, you know, in, in a speech to a group of people. And it's like, well, I'm not here promoting neo-nazism and there's also himself who might defend that or however you want to take that but just because I happen to bring up somebody but that's somebody was offended you know and that was in a group of 200 people so you know sometimes it's too of the context of going hey do you know your teams that are running this stuff do you know where their hearts at do you know where your brand values lie can you take the context to go guys that's like that's ridiculous. Just yeah, let it yeah. go. Is this the
2: first time neo-Nazi to be mentioned on your podcast? Yeah. <laughs> it is actually and <laughs> buying sex. Like yeah. Really- oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, there you go. Oh, where's the first?
0: Um, yeah. So, just a couple of questions to wrap up. Um, first of all, why pigeon social?
2: Oh. So, we again, 80% go. We don't want to waste, waste like 14 weeks getting the perfect name, hence the Justin and Greg show. For our like, we're not, <laughs> we're not proud of that in any way, but it was like, are we going to spend like the, yeah. the little thought was, are we going to spend four more hours getting a better name or are we going to start executing? Yeah. And we just said execution.
1: Yeah. And Greg came up, uh, he said some comment in one of our first shows about, are you going to pigeonhole me in this? And I was like, pigeon, perfect. Um, But then there are some things where we actually like the idea of social for us is actually about the idea of like a carrier pigeon is one to one message. And sometimes people are trying to carpet bomb everything. And we're going, no, like, what if you can actually speak to the six people you need to talk to, which for me was, you know, trying to get a video in front of one person on YouTube and using YouTube ads, try and get a message to a single person, you know, it's kind of that that pigeon mentality of it's just it's one to one communication. And there's, uh, it looks like poo splatter in our logo, but it's actually a sniper rifle wound of the same kind of thing.
2: Yeah, and unfortunately pigeon has a lot of negative connotations, but that's not what we mean, so. Yeah, so, carrier pigeon.
1: And it's with a D because the regular pigeon was taken. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Lessons learned uh, since you've been doing Justin and Greg. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> you'll, you'll never be good enough. Yeah. I feel like when we post our stuff to Reddit, what do you mean you'll never be, good well, this is, yeah. this is our thing. So we always, we try and distribute our content to the right audience mm-hmm. and Reddit is a great place for that because Reddit has so many subreddits, but they're also extremely negative. <laughs> yeah. And so you, we you post anything in Reddit, they just hammer on you. And it's yeah. just like a, it's a lesson of like, you know, like you're not good enough. And yeah. it's a kind of motivation. These guys me. are funny.
1: They're lame. They're annoying. They're this, they're that. So, so the
2: lesson I think yeah. for me is, is, okay, this didn't land for that person. But if I only pay attention to that, then I'm missing the groundswell mm-hmm. of enthusiasm for that for that piece of content. And it's it's actually training me to, to listen with a grain of salt to the, the negative feedback, but also to, to celebrate the fact that like, there is people behind you that are cheering you well, on.
0: Well, that's really, uh, that's good. That's really hard to do. I know even uh, doing campaigns uh, used to be, you know, a call poured in and the client would be like, oh, we gotta pull this TV yeah. commercial. But even in performance, it's even worse because now you're putting yourself out there and mm-hmm. someone's giving you a personal comment. How do you balance that? Like, that's gotta be tough.
2: Yeah, and I think that you need to have you need to have good support in this. And maybe this is easier for you. Oh, I know it's I know it's kind of a challenge for you where you get it all the time. Uh, not because he's in the front of the camera more often than I am. but...
1: Yeah, I mean, I do a YouTube channel. YouTube is also very negative and. I guess one is if you you don't believe in yourself in some sense, then you're not going to go very far. You also develop a thicker skin, but at no point, I don't think anybody gets to the point where comments don't bother them. Mm -hmm they still like this weekend. It was like a couple tough comments on Reddit and I was re-questioning everything that we were doing. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> literally, that's... I'm like, what happened during the weekend? You're yeah. like, you're
2: so off today. And it was like these trolls on <laughs> on Reddit, but like that's that's the human side of us, right? Yeah. And I think there's there's gotta be a truth that you as a person know and believe in. It's like, am I doing this for that person? No, but do I think I'm pretty good? Yeah. It's the same way on the other side of it, David, when you go and give a keynote speak or do anything publicly, there's always people that tell you to great. And if you only listen to them, you'll never get better because you need to have, truthfully, a balance of both. Because I can say anything, they're like, wow, that was amazing, thank you. And I'm like, wow, I was amazing. Well, actually, you know what? I wasn't amazing, I missed this, 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 right? And so the tension of both, but yeah, the human side, you need to know, and we deal with this all the time of like, is that comment have some truth in it? Yes, no, maybe. If it does, cool, wear it and and take it. If it doesn't, just get rid of it. Mm -hmm. Easier said than done, but. Yeah,
1: but having your own network, of people that you actually trust in who are true sayers, who don't just pump your tires. Those are the people I want the feedback from. I've learned that, like, okay, people's comments on the internet, like, take with a grain of salt, because, frankly, there's a lot of hurting people out there, sure. you know? And they have this idea that if I tear down your tower, mine will seem taller, you know? But it doesn't really work that way, but that's the internet.
0: Lessons learned for you, Dustin?
1: Um, yeah. I. You know... It's amazing to see that nothing in the world is off limits from what you want to do. And we live in a small city here, Regina, Saskatchewan, and I think there are people who look at that as a detriment. But we've just found like, wow, we can get in front of some big people if you just try. And you know, getting NHL media passes was not something we probably ever would have thought was possible. And you know, we ended up doing that and making some connections with some really big brands and who knows where it goes, but I think what a lot of people don't see is how many times we've done things that haven't gone well of Mm -hmm. the time we tried to get Jerry D on the show and we're tweeting him (laughs) and he ended up calling security on us and we walked in and thought security pull aside because he wanted to do something and they're like no cameras he will not talk to you you can take a photo get in get out. You know, I was like, oh, okay, and
0: you know. I love that bit though, you guys embrace, you guys embrace the failure
1: (laughs) 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 What else can you do, right? Because people love that, people love the honesty
2: of it. Oh, you're gonna be humble and show me your failures? Okay, cool, you're you're more like I am, you know?
1: And I think the humility is like another part, because you know, whatever sense of success you have is still nothing in context of the world. And there are people who are like, oh, you guys are famous, you're everywhere. And it's like, no, Uh, no we're not. Uh, but we're doing something and i think that can be celebrated and appreciated and especially when you know we were on 15 different major news networks two weeks ago because we hacked the attention and it worked but that's also that came and that went and now we're back to being nobodies again you know oh, right. and we kind of <laughs> keep going and who knows where it ends up i don't know but if you don't do it because you love it it's not worth doing and this is something that you know I run into on YouTube with other people where they're making videos to try and get famous but they don't actually love creating those kind of videos and sometimes what happens is they do get famous off that and now they're stuck doing those those. and so if you don't build it because you love it you're in trouble yeah you're gonna hate your life and so do something because you're passionate about it not just because you think it'll lead to success any kind of job in the world is if you hate being an accountant but you're doing it because you can make money, well, you're going to have a miserable life. Or if doing graphic design is something that you hate, but you think it could be a good job, any it doesn't matter what it is, got to love it.
0: That's great advice. And I can't remember if I asked you guys last time, um, what is the best advice you've ever received? Oof.
1: Mine goes out to uh, my man, Gary Vaynerchuk. Which is what? Uh, I mean... <laughs> hmm. Um... I'm, I don't want to add another word. He's a very colorful character. He uses colorful language. Uh, you would get the bleeper out, but he says, F, I'm gonna. In other words, like, screw, I'm gonna. With the idea of, everybody talks about, oh yeah, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. For me, it was, I was one page into his book, uh, now about two and a half years ago. And it was basically this concept, F, I'm gonna. And I was like reading. I'm like, I got to do something. So I put the book down. I picked up my camera and I made the world's worst vlog. But that put me on an entire path. And that's the thing is, everybody's like, they're waiting for the circumstances to be right, and the circumstances will never be right. That's that. Do 80% it done today. today. Idea. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just start today. Just go and do something.
2: Yeah, mine is a little bit different than yours. Uh, I tend to be quite cerebral and I overthink things. And I, you know, I'm trying to analyze this. And my dad always reminds me to have fun. He just says he'll text me and be like, "Have fun." Like we were in Vegas and yeah. I'm freaking out, and he just said, "Have fun." He'll just and I'm like, "It's just it's the truth that I need to hear, day in and day out because nothing else really matters at the end of the day. Just just have fun."
0: Well, thank you guys. Thanks very much for coming in and thanks for doing this
2: again. Secretly, David, I hope it broke so we can do it a third time. <laughs>